Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every day. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things black and gold, as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins, and you can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. Please subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you subscribe. Please also rate and review. To kick off today's show, I'll be chatting with Sean Shapiro of The Athletic to discuss the Bruins' season opener opponent, the Dallas Stars. Yes, that's right. Boston Bruins hockey is back. It's been a short summer, but a long one at the same time due to the nature of how last year ended. Um, So it'll be good to kind of wipe the slate clean and get started with a brand new regular season. Uh, I'm very excited to watch this team play again tonight. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking with Sean to help tee up uh, how things look in Dallas. Coming up later in the show, as we will do every Thursday, I'll be ranking the NHL's top five teams. And then to close... We're going to take a look around the NHL, today's big storylines, and uh, a quick look at what happened on opening night. But first, let's get to Sean. I'm joined now by Sean Shapiro. He covers the Dallas Stars and NHL for The Athletic. He's also the author of 100 Things Stars Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, looking forward to actually watching hockey games that matter. So it's it's a good day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, a bit of a a weird start to the season for for the Boston Bruins. They're starting uh, with a four-game Western Conference road trip. And I'm sure from the Dallas perspective as well, it's a bit of a non-traditional season-opening opponent. I get. I, don't, I imagine it hasn't made things any less exciting, or the anticipation is still high for for a new star season, despite it being uh, kind of a non-rival to start. Yeah, it's uh, the one thing that actually the stars have built up on, and the the popular statement around here the past week or so has been uh, with Boston and where they played last year obviously to the Stanley Cup finals and so Dallas hosts Boston obviously on Thursday and then they actually go to St. Louis on Saturday and so oh. the stars big the stars kind of big uh talking point this week from the coaching staff has been we felt we were right there we were we lost to the Blues in game seven and double overtime and that could have been us hoisting the Stanley Cup. That's something the team truly believes after how close they were against the Blues. And just uh, there's a, there was a play in that double overtime where Jamie Ben had a wraparound that was literally half a puck away from eliminating the Blues. Um, so the Stars, for the Stars, they look at the Bruins as this is a team that played for the Stanley Cup. The Blues won the Stanley Cup. And if they want to make a statement that they really are this team that is a contender um, – these are two pretty good teams to kind of try and make that opening statement against in the first two out of the 82 games. Right. Yeah. Uh, the stars, they made a big splash in free agency, uh, signing Joe Pavelski, who's obviously the former captain of the San Jose Sharks, another team that has had cup aspirations in the past, but never 
quite got there. Uh, how does he seem to be fitting into the mix uh, so far? Has he kind of uh, jumped in as a kind of an alpha leader type, or is he kind of sitting back and allowing guys like Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn to continue to lead the way? How's, how's Pavelski fitting in so far? I think um, the big thing that with Pavelski that, that fits right away, and I think it's something that's going to fit well for the stars this year is um, he's, he can be a leader without a letter, which is very cliche to say, but as someone who has all of his experience and being the captain in San Jose and kind of has obviously done things the right way to, to success, to have this type of success he's had in the NHL. um, I think he's going to do a really, and he's already started um, to kind of instill himself into that, extension of the leadership group i think there's only uh i'm kind of of the thought process of a captain you can have a strong captain and you can have a strong assistant captains but you really need that secondary group of leaders those mm-hmm. for those after those first th- three or four depending on how big your cap official captaincy is um you need that those guys five six and seven to really be bought in for everything to really take to what the captain's leading for and i i think pavelski's done a good job of being that leader without a letter that guy who can who is helping set an example the right way and helping helping keep everything in the same direction and then obviously the uh the in-locker room stuff is a bonus, but the, obviously the main reason they went out and got him is the Stars needed to score more goals, and he's a goal mm-hmm. scorer, and we'll, we'll see what happens once regular season starts because preseason's hard to judge on what have impact it will actually be. But on paper, it looks like Joe Pavelski is kind of the perfect fit for this team, a guy who can score some goals, uh, take some pressure off the, the first three of Sagan, Ben, and, and Radulov, and, uh, and add a weapon on the power play. And it looks like it should work out pretty well. Um, he's a guy who, even though he's he's gotten older and age and age catches up to everyone, he's a guy who never really got by by being that f- fleet of foot anyway. So it's not like he's going to lose mm-hmm. speed. So he still knows where to stand. He still knows how to tip pucks, and uh, it seems to seems like it should be a good fit. Obviously, we'll see what happens once. Uh, yeah. We'll see what happens tomorrow night when a real game happens. I guess. It was when, I, when you were talking there, I was thinking of the, I guess the Bruins equivalent to that might be kind of like a David Krejci type who he's never had a letter. He hasn't been, uh, you know, the leading guy in the room or on the, the score sheet, but he's always been there and given that kind of, yeah, secondary scoring, that leadership presence, this kind of calm, steadying presence. And that's always valuable, obviously, on on a team that has championship aspirations. Um, speaking of potential scoring, uh, Corey Perry was also signed by the Stars. I know he's been a bit banged up uh, in uh, training camp. Is he is he ready to start, or he won't be playing in the season opener? No, he won't be playing in the season opener. The uh, I believe it was Sunday. The update on Sunday was two weeks. Um, and so right now, so he won't be playing the season opener. Um, I would imagine he won't make, I would imagine he'll probably miss at least the first four games because the, uh, stars obviously host Boston to start. And then they have a quick three game road trip that I don't think he'll be ready for. He hasn't even been skating yet. Um, Perry is, uh, kind of the one bummer about that is if, if, if Perry had, had played, had been ready for the season opener and had played, uh, and had played every had played the first 12 games of the season, 
he would have hit a thousand career games actually against the Ducks. So we oh, kind of wow. miss out on that now, that which cool, is kind yeah. of a which is kind of a bummer. So uh, no Corey Perry. Um, the interesting thing with the Stars and um, is we're in this cap world, right? Where mm-hmm. um, they've got essentially they've got twelve and seven healthy right now. Perry's on the roster technically; he's not on IR, and but oh, they're only okay. seventy-five. But they're only seventy, literally uh, seventy-five thousand dollars away from the cap oh, right gosh. now. So, <laughs> so with, with the twelve forwards they've got right now, um, uh, and they could dip into LTIR if they wanted to. Um, there's obviously a. There's a Martin Hansel and Steven Johns could go on LTIR, but that's something the team really doesn't want to do right now since this team right. is so laden with, with, with bonuses and that could really uh, mess things up. So um, they've got 12 forwards and uh, they're, they're kind of rolling the dice a little bit going forward, obviously, because uh, it's not like they have the money to call up a reinforcement or the cap space to call up a reinforcement for the road trip or anything like that. So they're hoping Perry's thing is really only two weeks and not much longer because after right. that it could be a bit dicey. What are the expectations for him? I know he was signed kind of on the cheap after getting bought out, maybe like 15 goals, 20 goals. How, what, like what the, what's the hope to get out of I, him this season? You think? I think, um, I, I look, I mean, his contract is before any bonuses, it's 1.25, uh, 1.25 million. And I, I looked at him as a guy where, if you could get 12 goals from him for 1.25, I think you'd be really happy. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, a guy's a guy, a guy making that much and that, and that's worth that. I mean, that, that, that could be worth the 12 goals. Um, I think there's some ex, I think there's other expectations I've seen other people have say he could score 15, he could score 20. I, I don't think that's realistic. Like I think right. he's coming off the injury. He's, he's even injured now. I, I don't think 15 to 20 goals is realistic, but if he could get a dozen goals, I think that's well worth the 1.25. Right. And the other, the other thing with Perry's contract is if it doesn't work out, it's a cheap one year deal. And it's mm-hmm. not really, it's not that big of an issue because well, his, he has the big name, He's not making the type of money that you might think Corey Perry would be making. So there's right. not. Uh, I mean, this isn't like. I mean, to use a Boston example, it's not like the money David Backus is making. It's like, <laughs> right. for, for example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Bruins fans, including myself, uh, continue to lament this Tyler Sagan trade to some degree. Has he reached the ceiling down there in Dallas, or do you think he has another level that he can still reach, another level of production, taking up his game, leadership on and off the ice? I'm not sure about peak. Or, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he's peaked yet or not numbers-wise. Um, mm-hmm. I do think it's been – Sagan's an interesting case because – it was in in the past two in the past two seasons now he's really gone from a true scoring center to a true top line center. Um, he's mm-hmm. gone from a guy who he he was always he was always going to be a superstar level player, right? He was always going right. to be a guy who you who was going to, um, but he's gone. He's become a guy who you can. They can go strength on strength, and he can and he can win that matchup not just because of what he does in the offensive zone, but he can also win that matchup in the defensive zone. He he can kill penalty. He kills penalties now, and um, he kills penalties now. He does a little bit. He does a little bit more of all that extra you have to be to really be a true number one center, which 
you guys have obviously seen what a true number one center does in Boston. Um, It's not just scoring. It's not just scoring goals. It's being that all around impact player in all three zones. And and Sagan's become that. Um, I think he's at a point right now where there may be a little bit of a, there could be a little bit of bump in play, but I think he's also kind of at that age where if you get what you got last year, you're happy if you, if you, if, if you, as far, I think um, there could be a little bit of a bump, but um, really, I think you see what Tyler Sagan is now. He's an all around player. He's going to be, he's a, he's an offensive threat and he is kind of figuring out that transition of what do I need to do to continue to stay successful in the league? And I think he's, 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 he's really starting to do that. Um, right. Um, it's, Numbers-wise, I think his numbers could be a little bit better because I think the Stars are going to be a better offensive team overall. But I don't think it's going to change much for Sagan because he's a guy who would have had more points last year if his shooting percentage was a little bit better. He just hit an ungodly amount of posts and crossbars last year more than anyone else in the league. So, Okay. Uh, apart from the usual suspects, who uh, should Bruins fans watching tomorrow night's game keep an eye on or who's uh, likely to make uh, a good quick – first impression out of the gate tomorrow night for the stars who's looked who's looked really good in camp and, and seems ready to just bust right out well I, I guess I guess the biggest question I have and maybe you can answer this for me is I, I wonder how much people in the Eastern Conference know about uh, Rope Hints and Miro Haskinen because I obviously I see them 82 times a year and they to me aren't surprise players they're not going to be breakout guys in my mind because I see them and I saw what they did but I guess the question is, are those names that resonate yet for a team, for a fan base that only sees the stars twice a year? Like if, if, because if, if, if Miro Hishkin and Ropa Hints are names that aren't resonating with people, those are the names. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, you, you can, you can probably answer that question better for me. I don't know if Bruins fans know who those guys are. I don't know how much they pay attention to what happens in Dallas. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm not sure if the been. I know. I mean, Hishkin and he's, he's pretty well known at yeah. this point. Hints. Yep. I know. I mean, if if people are playing fantasy hockey, he's been a, he's been mentioned quite a bit in terms of you know sleeper potential or guys you should target in the later rounds of fantasy drafts. So that kind of tips fans off that oh this this is a guy to watch. But I think yeah, if people watching tomorrow night should get a pretty good idea of of how talented those guys are. And and I think yeah, they probably need to be um, to step up in order for this for the team to to take that next step, they need those depth guys to, I mean, Heishkin is not really a depth guy, but yeah, a guy like hints to, to give some scoring from the kind of a, more of a depth role that you need those forwards to do that. And I think, yeah, he's a guy to watch for sure. Yeah. I guess the one other one, just as far as a name to kind of keep an eye on and it, it's, it's someone who, and it's not necessary. And this is this is actually a pure curiosity for me because I'm really fascinated to see what happens with him. And because I mentioned how the stars only really have 12 healthy forwards right now, and he's in that group, so he's getting a chance to prove himself. Is the stars have their first round pick from a couple of years back, Denis Garyanov, who um, okay. the who really did not. Uh, he was in that draft where the where lots of teams will look back and say, why did they not take this guy? It was the draft where I believe the Bruins had actually had three picks in a row. Um, All right. <laughs> for, yeah. And uh, I think Gurionov actually went the pick before the three Bruins draft picks. And he really 
still has been hasn't really proven himself as an NHL player yet. And he's a guy who they gave a bunch of top six opportunities in the preseason, didn't really seize it, but he was he's still on the team. And so he's someone who just from a kind of pure fascination standpoint going into opening night for me is who is he going to be? What is he going to be? And is he going to be this guy that the start that was touted as this good Russian find in his draft year, or is he going to be another first round pick that we, that kind of defines the defines what's been for first round picks in Dallas where it doesn't Great. pan out. Yeah. For me too. I think I'll be keeping an eye on uh, Jason Dickinson. I don't know if some Bruins fans might not remember that he was selected with the first round pick that Boston sent to Dallas in exchange for Yarmir Yager. And um, <laughs> I've watched him a lot as well uh, at the junior level. He plays, he played for uh, the team in, that's in my town. So I'd be interested to see if how his development's coming did, along. Uh, and... Did Jason, uh, when, when Jason played at Guelph, did he have the, uh, did he have the issue where he, his face was a magnet? Cause he gets hit in the face <laughs> with a puck and sticks more than any other player I've ever covered. I, I mean, last year it was easily six or seven times, and in the last preseason game, he got gashed right between, right on the nose by Tyler Sagan's Yikes. stick. Took a bunch of stitches up there. He's he's just one of the unluckiest okay. people I've ever seen with taking yeah. a puck or stick to the face. Wow, poor guy. Gives him a good uh, hockey <laughs> face, though, I guess. Yeah. For uh, just to wrap up here, your expectations or the expectations for the team? I know you said earlier that. Uh, they feel like they were close. Well, they were close, obviously, to beating St. Louis last year. And if that had happened, you know, who knows what what they could have gone on to do. Is it really uh, kind of – is the Stanley Cup final the the expectation or is that the, the Hope Conference Finals maybe the expectation? Or, or what What do you think this team can achieve or, or will achieve this, this season? So obviously the, the team's expectation is to be playing in into June um, into okay. the Stanley Cup final, and that's that's the team expectation. You don't go and sign Joe Pavelski, you don't sign Corey Perry, you don't go sign Andre Sakara if you think right. that you're not building for this year. These are all posturing yourself to win now moves. Um, I look at Dallas as a team who I think they are going to probably finish second or third in the Central. I think the division okay. is going to be extremely tough. I think they're going to finish second or third in the central. Um, I think they're going to be probably, they might be playing a a Nashville or Nashville in the first round again, who knows. Um, And then I, having seen what happens in the playoffs, I don't like to go and, I mean, I don't want to go and predict they're going to make a deep run, but I will say they have the pieces. Like that's, that's the big thing. They have the pieces. If, if Ben Bishop is the same goaltender he was last year, they have a chance to win any series they get into. If right. they if if they have if they take a step in Jim Montgomery's second year, they have a chance to to do that. So I'm not going as far as to say I expect them to play in June like the team is expecting. However, I do expect them to get into I expect them to be in the playoffs. I expect them to to be in a good fight in the central all year. And then I expect them to be one of those teams that you go into the playoffs and you're not, you're not crazy to say, well, you know what? This team has a chance. And right. I, I think that that's the way I look at it because I don't, I think it's too much. There's too many factors right now 
um, to be able to say, oh, I, I, yeah, I agree. They're going to play into June. That's, that's not right, fair right. from my perspective yet. That's not fair from my perspective yet. However, um, they have the pieces to make it. It, it could be realistic if, if, if certain things fall into place. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to say who, like who, nobody saw Tampa Bay losing in the first round last year. Nobody saw Carolina coming out of the, the metropolitan division. It's, it's such a crapshoot and there are so many good teams in the NHL right now, but yeah, I, I would say that Dallas certainly has as good a chance as anyone to come out of the West and to compete for the Stanley cup. And yeah, it all starts tomorrow night with with Boston at Dallas. Uh, thank you so much, Sean, for for joining me today. And maybe we'll uh, check in again when uh, Dallas comes to Boston later on the season. I'd be happy to do it. Thanks a lot. Thanks again to Sean for taking some time to chat today, and uh, be sure to look out for his work on the Athletic and uh, give him a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, before the end of the show, we're going to tee up some big stories as uh, more games begin tonight. Uh, but now it's time for the weekly look at the top five teams in the NHL, which I'll need to think of a better name for that <laughs> going forward. But yeah, it's basically just a uh, time of the week where we'll look at the best teams in the league. I'm going to rank them the top five teams. Um, despite how they finished last year, I'm going to give Tampa Bay the top spot uh, this week. Uh, playoffs are such a different beast, and they were 100% the best team in the regular season last year. On paper, they're still very strong, and I believe they deserve the benefit of the doubt um, and that they should uh, be the top team in the regular season again. Whether or not they can get it done in the playoffs when it matters most, that remains to be seen, but... Uh, I don't think there's much argument against Tampa Bay being the best team in the NHL heading into the new season. Having said that, um, the playoff success is still uh, very important, and the St. Louis Blues um, were able to get it done in the playoffs last year, so they're my number two team heading into the season. Uh, they did lose their season opener. You hate to see it against the Washington Capitals last night. Uh, on banner-raising night, which I did not watch because who wants to see that? But um, they did win the Cup. They're the defending champions. They deserve the right to be uh, up there in terms of power rankings. Uh, the number three team, watching them last night, they looked amazing, uh, albeit against the Ottawa Senators. But the number three team for me is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they're just uh, so loaded. Uh, up front and on the blue line now with with Tyson Berry and um, you know last year I had expected Toronto to finish second in the division and to get home ice advantage against Boston and to win a playoff round uh, thankfully that didn't happen uh, as a Bruins fan but I really believe that uh, Toronto is set to take that next step this year, whether it's at the expense of the Bruins in the first round or not, who knows? Um, obviously the Bruins or Leafs would have to finish, uh, you know, first or fourth to get out of the, that inevitable playoff matchup. But, um, you know, keep in mind only the Leafs and the Panthers, they're the only two teams that have not won a playoff series in the shootout era. And um, it would just be, 
insane if if Toronto didn't do that again this year, as as hard as it is to admit. Um, again, I really hope it's not at the expense of the Bruins, but um, I think the Leafs are just going to roll through the regular season and uh, they should win a playoff round. So, um, yeah. Number four team is our Boston Bruins. Uh, again, I, I saw a lot of people expect them to take a step back. I was listening to 31 Thoughts podcast this morning. Elliot Friedman kind of debunked that. Uh, he he really believes that, you know, the Bruins are just uh, just a bunch of pros, as he said, and they're always ready. They're just that uh, employee that gets the job done year in and year out. So consistent. They're able to fill holes with uh, people who can get the job done. And I don't see the Bruins taking a step back in the regular season, at least. Um, I can see them finishing third, if that's a step back, um, a minor one, uh, seeing as Toronto and Tampa Bay are so good. But uh, a lot of people see them as the top three teams in the NHL, so it's a bit of a crapshoot. But uh, right now, I'll, I'll put them at number four. Then my number five team, and the team I actually picked to win the Stanley Cup on uh, Daily Hive, which is uh, another place that I write for, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. They're coming in at number five. They rolled over San Jose in the season opener. Um, albeit with uh, Eric Carlson out for personal reasons, which I hope all is well there. Uh, the Carlson family has been through a lot so far the last couple of years. Um, but I really am high on Vegas. Uh, I think Mark Stone has uh, MVP potential. He should be a Selkie nominee finalist for sure. And uh, I'm really high on Vegas. I think they're going to do well this season. So that's my weekly look at the NHL Top 5. We got Tampa Bay. St. Louis, Toronto, our Boston Bruins, Vegas Golden Knights. We'll see how that shifts uh, throughout the season. We'll do this every Thursday. Look at the top five. And uh, coming up before the end of the show here, we're going to take a look at some big storylines around the NHL. The first one revolves around our Boston Bruins. And, um, you know, it came out yesterday that... The Bruins and Tory Krug are beginning to talk um, contract extension. And uh, I guess Krug, according to NHL, sorry, NBC Sports Boston, he said, it's exciting. Now that we're in the regular season, I don't want to talk too much about it, just out of respect for my teammates and the process. But it's obviously exciting when you're talking about where you could be for the future while taking care of the present. That's the most important thing. It's an exciting time, and hopefully things work out. Um, so that was uh, a great development. I don't, like uh, Marissa and I were talking about the other day, Marissa and Jemmy from the Boston Herald, um, I don't expect Krug to be moved. I expect him to be there long term, and it's great that they're uh, beginning to talk. Sometimes you see players and teams kind of... Um, put a pause on things during the regular season. They don't want it to be a distraction or whatever, but um, it seems like everyone is kind of on the same page that it will get done. And um, hopefully that happens sooner or later. So it's not hanging over this team for too long. Um, what else do we have? I don't know if you saw last night, but Mc Connor McDavid is back from a knee injury that he suffered late in the season last year or in the final game, I guess. 
Um, he just ripped through the Vancouver Canucks defense and scored, dare I say it, the goal of the year already. I know it's, there's only been four games, so that's pretty stupid, but um, it was an amazing play. Uh, go check that out if you haven't yet seen it. Um, tonight, as I said, the Bruins are in action, but there's also a few other games that will be interesting to keep an eye on. Florida-Tampa Bay. Uh, I could see that being a first-round playoff matchup with Florida sliding into the wild-card spot or the fourth spot in the Atlantic. I think that could be the, a great new rivalry. So keep an eye on that game. Uh, the Bruins game doesn't start until 8, uh, 8.30 local time uh, or Boston time. So uh, you can watch that for a little bit before. We have Montreal and Carolina, which will have a juicy storyline after... Um, the Canadians signed Sebastian Ajo to an offer sheet this summer. Um, Winnipeg and the Rangers will be fun just to see Capocacco in action and also Jacob Truba playing his team for the first time. And then uh, later on, C- Calgary and Colorado uh, should be a good one as well. Calgary had a great regular season last year, uh, but lost in the first round. And uh, Colorado, I think, is just going to be one of the best teams to watch this year. They're going to be super fun. So uh, I'd always recommend tuning into them if you can. Uh, but obviously, the game of the night for our purposes will be Boston and Dallas. Uh, like Sean said, it, the first two games for Dallas are a bit of a measuring stick as they're going to get the Eastern Conference champions and the Stanley Cup champions. You know they're going to be ready to come out on home ice. So the Bruins might be in tough to kind of match that emotion. But as we know, the Bruins uh, aren't phased by much. And uh, it should be a great game. I should also mention that uh, Sean and I did uh, briefly discuss Brett Ritchie uh, off mic uh, after our discussion was over. Um, He was just asking how he saw Brett Ritchie fitting in. I mentioned that he is kind of a uh, bubble player to play tonight. He was rotating in and out of the fourth line in practice. It kind of depends on whether David Krejci can go. Uh, Sean did say that Richie does have an NHL level shot and he has scored 16 goals in the past. The one issue just is uh, accuracy and kind of getting the puck to go where he wants. That's not really up to par. Uh, but, you know, if he goes on a bit of a, a lucky streak, uh, perhaps he can make an early impression and uh, kind of get a shot at sticking in the lineup just based on uh, an early bump in production Uh, but we'll see if he plays tonight and uh, whether or not he gets an extended look with the Bruins so yeah that's uh, Locked On Boston Bruins podcast for today we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network please give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins follow me at Ian C. McLaren and please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast and uh, toss a rate and review. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I really thank everyone who's listened so far, who's taken the time to give a star rating on, on Apple I- podcasts and who's uh, taken the time to review. It really means a lot. And uh, again, I'm really excited for the Bruins to start playing tonight and for the season to get rolling. And uh, yeah, it's only going to get go up from here. So thanks again, friends. Talk to you later. And uh, go Bruins.